Hey, it's Mark. This week's series of mini episodes taped live at the health conference in Vegas continues with digital editor Jack O'Brien. Hi there and welcome to the MM&M podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien. I am the digital editor at MM&M coming to you live from lovely Las Vegas from the health conference. My guest today is Ina Plum from MetaRive. And Ina, first, it's great to have you on the show. Secondly, I want to understand a little bit about MetaRive's business and then we can go into you know some of the things that maybe you've been seeing here at the conference that might be of interest to our listeners. Sure. Yeah. So uh, really excited to be here. Um, tell, tell you a little bit about MetaRive. What's unique about us is, well, we provide care in the home, but we use EMTs and paramedics in particular to provide that care as the individuals in the home. And then we surround them with resources such as, you know, social workers, nurse practitioners, physicians, whatever might be needed to kind of provide a higher acuity of care. And we focus primarily on Medicaid populations, although we do do work kind of across the spectrum with MA, ACA, etc. What we focus on in particular is longitudinal care, so specifically helping patients avoid ED utilization, and then more episodic use cases such as HEDIS gap closure and um, HCC coding, things like that. It's very interesting, especially in light of what I've seen a lot around this trade floor, is a lot of conversation about moving care out of the inpatient setting and into the home and being able to facilitate that. I'm curious what your thoughts have been on that sort of transformation, because I think that that was something that people had always talked about prior to the pandemic, and then COVID just swung that into overdrive. A hundred percent. We have a really strong thesis that care is moving into the home. It's what brought me to MetaRive. I was, you know, I was previously at Redesign health researching various companies for us to launch and we at redesign had a strong thesis that care is moving into the home the pandemic accelerated that a thousandfold what interested us in particular about this model and what we love about it is it's really expensive to bring care into the home at the end of the day it's really expensive to bring nurse practitioners into the home and so on and most of the time they tend to not be as comfortable as an EMT or paramedic whose full day job is running into uncomfortable situations in the home so we got really excited about this as the as a really powerful vector to be, bring care into the home. And, you know, we like to say that in the future, the hospital of the future is going to be an OR, an ER, and an ICU, and everything else with technology, with the right labor force can be done in the home. So I guess that kind of leads to my next question, which is obviously it has to be encouraging to see this much conversation and discussion going on about moving care out of the inpatient setting and into the home, but it can also mean more competition on your end. And so I wonder how MedArrive looks at how it differentiates itself against all these competitors that are specifically focus on the in-home experience, but also some of these more legacy institutions that might be saying, yes, we're going to have what you just described in terms of an OR, ER setup, but then we want to be in that playground too. Yeah. So I think there's plenty of room for a ton, and I think we've a ton of players in the market, and I think we've only just scratched the surface of, you know, the kinds of care and the kinds of companies that can play in the home. So I think you know, to some extent, we've got an enormous opportunity ahead of us. So I'm not too worried about more players coming in and so on. Welcome it. Um, what differentiates us from a lot of the folks out there is 
we are specifically focused on scheduled care in the home. We're not trying to be, you know, an emergency response in the home. Even though we use EMTs and paramedics, many people would assume we're providing urgent care. We want to provide preventative care, long-term care. So we focus on scheduled visits in the home. We have this unique angle of EMTs and paramedics, but we supplant them with other resources. And we're very good at routing. We're very, very good at figuring out how to have care efficiently in the home, how to route our providers efficiently to patients' homes. That's really hard. You know, if you're a legacy provider organization, a hospital, you may not have the resources or the time or the bandwidth to focus on how do I build a best-in-class logistics platform. That's what our team focuses on in addition to kind of our care and so on. So we think that kind of specialized focus gives us a, a particularly good advantage. And can you talk about maybe the reimbursement angle as well? Because I know that's been a conversation I've heard a lot here is the talk of we had all these things that were rolled out during the pandemic, whether that was telehealth or all these different sort of changes. But that was also all dependent on the flexibility of various waivers or reimbursement models that a lot of people are unsure it will continue in a more, let's say, less COVID emergency, more COVID endemic phase. What's your sense for how that's going to go or how that would affect your business model going forward? You know, COVID changed things pretty fundamentally in healthcare, so I think a lot of things are going to be here to stay. That being said, you know, we certainly did also benefit from certain PHE exemptions, scope extensions for providers, um, especially when we were doing COVID vaccines, as an example, early on. There was a special kind of exemption in California that allowed EMTs to administer vaccines. We very consciously have moved away from use cases that depend on the PHE exemptions, and we've focused more on value-based care, where at the end of the day, as long as we're driving down costs for our partners, it kind of doesn't matter what the reimbursement environment is. It's all about you know, having the properly scoped provider with the patient and achieving good outcomes. And, and, and you know, in that case, we're not dependent on, you know, having a specific fee-for-service code that makes financial sense for us. But it's definitely a challenge, you know, especially when it comes to, like, telemedicine parity with in-person and so on. But luckily, we're not too dependent on that. And can you talk about, this is kind of cliche, but saying the value and value-based care? Because I know that there's been a lot of conversation about the fact that we're moving there and we were moving there before COVID and COVID, obviously, like it did with so many things, accelerated it. But I think a lot of people are still banging their hands, you know, on the table saying, like, when when are we going to get to a fully or at least a majority value-based system? It seems like we're still so dependent on, dependent on fee-for-service. So just kind of curious your view of the state of the value-based world and maybe you know where you see value in the value-based uh, system. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubt that we're going to move in that direction because at the end of the day, you need to achieve results and you need to achieve outcomes for patients. And as long as you're achieving outcomes for patients, you know, you're doing value-based care and, and the funds will, will follow. I probably have a somewhat skewed view of the landscape because just about everything we do focuses on value-based care. You know, we're not a legacy hospital system, which I think tech tends to be a lot more focused on fee-for-service and so on. So we consciously focus on managed Medicaid manage Medicare and so on. So in our world, everyone's thinking about value. Um, and that's where we start and end our conversations. You know, you have a problem with your population. Maybe they're going to the ED too much. We can solve that problem. We'll show you the savings and, you know, get paid off of the, the results that we achieve. That's just, that's our entire world. And it's exciting to see kind of everyone starting to think in that direction. And we've seen a lot of opportunity in managed Medicaid in particular. And that's been particularly exciting because there's just 
so much vulnerability in those populations and so much inequity when it comes to providing high quality care to Medicaid populations. It's been really exciting to focus there as well. I'm also curious your thoughts on consumerism. You know, I probably should have asked this earlier when you were talking about the way that COVID influenced how people view in-home care, but you know, I've never seen so much of a demand, not only for in-home care, but for telehealth as well, among people that you know prior to the pandemic probably never considered it. And now a lot of healthcare organizations are saying, oh, this is where our patients yeah. want to be, and they're responding in kind. So just kind of curious your thoughts on consumerism at large and how it's affecting the broader healthcare ecosystem. So it's interesting because at early COVID, there's kind of almost a pushback like I don't want anyone in my home it's mm-hmm. my little safe safety net um, so that was something for that we had to work through but you're right like now everybody kind of wants care delivered into the home that being said you know the populations that we work with they're not the folks that can afford they don't have commercial insurance right so they're not the ones that want LabCorp to come to their door and they can afford to pay for that because they don't want to go to a Quest or a LabCorp um, they're the folks that don't have a car, don't have transportation to go to the doctor, so they never make it to the doctor. So the home is the right place of care for them, and it makes economic sense for them and for the payer, because otherwise they're just not getting care. Um, but broadly, absolutely, like with payers, with providers, I think it's complete, COVID has completely opened the door in terms of care in the home. And kind of picking up on that thread where you talk about the patient population that you're catering to, you know, there's been so much of a conversation about the social determinants of health, and you talk about that. I've, I've seen in the past few years where it's, you know, if you can't be within certain radius of your hospital with reliable transportation, you just won't go. And then that's developing chronic conditions or your condition worsens or et cetera. So I'm just curious your view on how the healthcare system is addressing the social determinants of health and maybe where there's room for improvement down the line. Well, I think we're finally starting to focus on that, which is really exciting. Like there's even starting to be some Medicare reimbursement for identifying and addressing SDOH issues and so on and in our world it just happens to be like a pretty core and essential part of what we do because you kind of can't address some of the clinical issues until you address the underlying social determinants of health issues like it you know you can you can set up a referral for a patient with um, CKD all day long with a you know the nephrologist or something uh, but if they don't have a car to get there, if they don't have transportation, they're never going to go see the doctor. They're never going to go to dialysis. So in our world, you first you have to address the SDOH issues first, and that's why we um, have social workers on our teams and so on. And then you can get to the clinical aspect of it. And I see more and more folks on the payer side starting to recognize that. And that's been phenomenal because it's just it's just essential to our success. Ina, it's been wonderful having you on the show and being able to go through, you know, this variety of topics that all intersects with your work that you're doing at MetaRive. I guess if there was any parting advice that you would want to pass along to our audience of medical marketers, especially as they're going from 2022 into 2023 and they're trying to understand what the healthcare landscape is going to look like in the future. Sure. I mean, I think value-based care, here to stay and only growing. And the other thing I would say is patients, you know, healthcare things take time, as as Dan, my co-founder, often says, and it's it can be especially frustrating, I think, in the, in the startup space where we want and need things to happen fast. So I think just like perseverance and, and patience is essential. Excellent. Well, again, we appreciate you being on the show and look forward to seeing your work in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMNM Podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. 
Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>